And welcome to another episode of Annie Talks, where we bring to you interesting stories about interesting people that you want to know about. I'm your host, Annie Rivera. Thank you for tuning in, and to those who have already subscribed. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. And if so, I personally invite you to subscribe. Annie Talks is brought to you by Luxwear Trends, affordable, luxurious timepieces for every occasion, luxury that lasts forever, and that's what sets us apart from others. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit luxwearetrends.com. That's L-U-X-E wearetrends.com. My guest on this episode is Mike Pecci, a critically acclaimed award-winning film director. With over 18 years of experience, Mike has cemented a name for himself, not only as a photographer and music video director, but as an abstractly edgy filmmaker who is undeniably devoted to the art of storytelling. His characters are the faces of his work. Passionate, emotional, and distorted stories are the basis for some of Mike's most well-received films. His ability to touch audiences through his films is a credit to his commitment to understanding humanity. The work has an emotional quality that can both frighten and pull you in, playing off the darkest chasms of the human condition. Here now is my conversation with Mike Pecci. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Well, thank you. Truly appreciate it. So now for everybody else who do not know who Mike Petchy is, give a sense of who Mike Petchy is and uh, your background and basically just kind of how you became who you are now. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about more on the filmmaking side, but let's talk about Mike Petchy now. Who am I? Uh, That's the million dollar question, right? Um, (laughs) I am a film director. I have been directing um, films, music videos, uh, commercials for about 18 years. Uh, You may have seen my work in the music video world if you're into uh, heavy metal music and hardcore music. I started with my business partner, Ian McFarland, years ago. Um, making music videos for bands like Killswitch Engage. We wrote treatments for Ozzy Osbourne. We did stuff for the Wu-Tang Clan, that kind of thing. Um, and we were in that for quite some time until the music video business sort of became uh, very difficult to make money in. Um, and we transitioned into doing commercial stuff. Um, and uh, throughout the entire process, I have always been trained to be a filmmaker and so I have been doing short films for years. Um, a bunch of like my stuff tends to be kind of thriller horror stuff. Right. Um, and then, uh, like I said, uh, oh, I was also a photographer for a while too. That was in there. So I did a bunch of photography and stuff. So sort of a jack of all trades for years because that was the only way to learn mm-hmm. um, while making money. 
Is that how you started out was a photographer first and then a filmmaker? So actually that's a good segue. Let's talk about that now. <laughs> sure. Um, I started initially wanting to make films. And okay. so I went, I'm actually wearing the shirt. Look at me plugging these guys. I went, <laughs> I went to uh, New York Film Academy back in like 1999, I think. And I went and I took a directing course um, at their headquarters, which was in New York, um, and learned, I was uh, forced to make at least three films of my time there. So I learned quickly how to produce. And I moved to a city that I had no family, no contacts, um, and got thrown in with a group of people that I didn't know. Um, a really wow. great, really great class of people. Like uh, one of the kids that I, I was in school with ended up being a producer at NBC. Um, another guy ended up going to like one of the biggest uh, trailer cutting studios. Uh, he cut the trailer. I think he worked on the Matrix trailers and all that. Um, we all got thrown into uh, this program at New York Film Academy where they, they teach you quickly how to make movies. And this was back pre-digital so we were shooting stuff on film and we were doing like old black and white 16 millimeter stuff and then actually cutting and pasting oh my uh, gosh all that so <laughs> it was it, it was a really cool learning experience like i said it taught me how to produce which i still use a lot of those skills now um and it taught me um how to really sort of embrace the chaos that is this life <laughs> well I love your work and I've always been a fan of your work. Um, and then we met a while back for, while I was working for um, a hard, uh, what was it? A monitor display company. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've always seen your work and, and a big, big um, fan of your work. Oh, thank you. Well, of course. So now talk about the kinds of films that you like and as a, as a fan viewing band and as um, a filmmaker. So let's talk on the on the fan side, and then we'll talk about the filmmaker side. I've always got. I've always enjoyed the fact that movies, at least when I was growing up, and I think they still are that way now. Movies were one of the best ways to disappear out of your world into a whole new place. Um, and when I grew up, it was really before they had a lot of behind the scenes stuff, so you never really thought about how a movie was made. You just sort of watched it and, uh, you know, suddenly you're hanging out with Indiana Jones. You know, it didn't make <laughs> any sense. You didn't question it. At least I didn't question it. Um, and talk about suspension of disbelief. Like I was totally involved with it. So much so that I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get into, I didn't even know it was a job. And right. it wasn't until I got older uh, and I originally went to school for radio, which I learned quickly was not for me which is ironic because now I do podcasts. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> um, so, and then I decided I was just taking sort of like a, a, a baloney class where I just needed some credits and I took a film course um, and I sat and I watched uh, movies. Uh, I saw uh, like Citizen Kane for the first time. We watched Blade Runner and, and the professor at the time was like, hey, so there's a guy in charge of doing all of the photography and there's somebody in charge of doing wardrobe and there's somebody in charge of doing all this stuff. And it, it light dawned on marble head. And I was like, Oh, this is actually an industry that is interesting. So uh, let me get back to your question. So what kind of movies do I like to watch? I love, I'm in, I'm in love with how uh, films are a visual storytelling medium. So right. 
I love the idea that you can take a wide shot and two close-ups and create a whole new world. And so the stuff that I tend to like to watch are very visually oriented films, like directors that are uh, visual storytellers. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the greats to me, uh, Ridley Scott is amazing. So right. like any of his movies, um, I, I love John Carpenter. I love uh, David Fincher. Um, these directors that, that really tell a story with the lens and with, yeah. how, they, with how they move the camera. Um, and I guess the genre for that tends to fall into sort of the horror, sci-fi horror, thriller thing. Um, I just love, I joke about this uh, often where I say that I'd either direct horror movies and thriller movies or I direct romantic comedies because they both have the same sort of uh, audience interaction. Yeah. You know, like I, I could spend so much time getting you down a hallway and having you scared to death as the person sort of reaches for a doorknob and pull that door open. And, and if you're watching it with an audience, everybody's in the crowd and they're all, oh, and you, you're feeling all these beats that you design. And then I got dragged to some real cheesy romantic comedy and I was watching the same thing happen. But for that, where everybody was, <laughs> you know, and there's the, yeah. like the girl is like falling for the guy and the music swells really working. And I feel like both those genres are great movies to make for an audience and a watch with an audience. And that's, that's kind of why I do it. I, I'm not, I'm not one of these filmmakers that, you know, thinks I'm not a dictator and I don't have a, I don't have, I don't have some crazy story that I want to tell. I just like the act of telling stories. I like the, the art of uh, getting you involved with film. You know, that's interesting that you should say that because in college, uh, my major was um, public relations, marketing, that kind of thing. And then for a minor, I decided I wanted to do, um, I wanted to stay kind of in the in the mix of broadcasting. So I ended up taking radio, TV, film. So I did a radio show, learned how to do radio, did film and um, some little bits of, uh, of film. My film was like nothing compared to your filming and or your oh, filmmaking. But um, it's interesting because it wasn't until then that I, uh, when I took that when I took a few of those courses that you learn all the POVs, the point of views and, and the different camera shots and the angles. And now when I'm watching a film, when I'm watching a movie, I can't remove myself from that. I can't remove myself from watching. Oh gosh, look at that angle. Oh, look at that great over the shoulder shot. And then sometimes I'll go back and I'll watch it again because I want to watch it from a different perspective from a fan side now and not, you know, worry about the, about how the shot was made or how the movie was, was made. So I'm critical first and then I'm a fan later. So, um, so it's interesting that, that because of the line of work that you do, Yep. And this is how I became such a fan of yours is because um, everything that you were doing, I, I said, oh my gosh, well, he should be teaching this class. He should be, he, he, I wish he, I would have taken his class instead of, you know, somebody <laughs> else's class or, or, you know, that kind of stuff. So you were the epitome to me as a, of, a, of the perfect filmmaker. So I'm very truthful about what I said. It's just, you know, I, and I love what you do. So, um, which is why I was really excited to have you on the show. And I wanted to talk about about the kinds of the kind of work that you do sure and I, you know i would just jump into that uh that bit there where i felt the same way for a little while like when i started to study cinema i got really excited about the techniques behind cinema 
And uh, I would watch movies and sort of try to examine everything from continuity down to like uh, camera positioning and camera movements and blocking. And I mean, the audience doesn't realize, a majority of the audience doesn't realize the amount of stuff that physically goes into one single shot. Um, and when you're studying those things, it's almost like, it's almost like studying food and, and, yeah. and, and taste and, and the power of taste. Um, and it, there hit a point where it, it started to ruin movies for me. And really? I couldn't watch a film without seeing all that. And I had to go through this process of training myself to not look at that stuff. So now when I watch movies, I try, <laughs> I try to have the perspective of like 15-year-old me <laughs> when I watch these things. And then afterwards, if I think it's really great, then I will, you know, rewatch it again and go, oh, how'd they pull this off and sort of examine it? I think the unfortunate thing is that there's, we're in a, a great place, I guess, where there's so many outlets for this stuff and there's such a need for content. There's such a call for content um, that there's a lot of good stuff, great stuff, but there's a lot of trash too. And I think when you start to watch something and you are distracted by the outfit or by, you know, the camera work, then it, it kind of sucks because you're not, you're not enjoying the movie and the movie shouldn't, you shouldn't be distracted. Everything that we do in film should be silent and that you, right. you don't see us. And, and if there is a voice there, it's a stylistic voice that suits the story. You know what I mean? So, so seamless transition for everything. Yeah. So now do you, do you, we so we know you that you direct, but do you mm -hmm. write as well? Do you do any of the writing? Um, I do. I, I have. Um, I, I've written most of my shorts, if not all my shorts, except for the, the new one that we just did that I haven't been able to tell anybody about. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have done the writing in the past. Um, I'm now teaming up now that I'm getting into uh, doing features, and I have two in development right now. Um, I teamed up with a, a writer who's much better than me. And here's something interesting. Like as a filmmaker, it's a very social job. Right. So a, a lot of people assume that if you're the director, you know everything. Like you have this grand vision and you have everything on lockdown. Like I wake up tomorrow and I go, boom, World War II movie. I know it all, you know. <laughs> that's not the case. I mean, it's you come up with a great idea. You come up with a vision and it, it is in your prep and it is in your initial need to tell that story. Like why do I want to tell the story and what is my perspective on the story? And that's what makes it worth me directing is if I have that. And then I team up with folks. And, I, and I've learned over the years that the best thing in the world to do is to put people on your team that know more than you do about these other skills. Because uh, there's so many, so many jobs on a film. There's so many hats to wear. And I used to try to do all of it. So right. I would write. I would shoot. I would edit. I would produce. I would direct. I would do all that stuff. And some of them were really great. But... When I started to collaborate with people, people bring ideas and they bring ideas that I would never think about because I will give them a problem that will get filtered through their life experiences, through their work experiences, through everything that they have. And they'll come up with this shiny little thing that I've never seen before. Wow. And it's my job as a director to go, yes, you know, yeah. that is perfect. Put it in the movie. And if it fits the vision, then let's ride with it. Um, and so that's why I have a, a great writer now because I, I teamed up with this dude, Will Simmons, who... Uh, has written the feature version of my short 12 kilometers and he just he's w working on the feature version of the new one right now he's a much better writer than i am um he 
like writing in itself is its own job and it isn't just it's not just putting pretty words down on the page and getting yeah. a screenplay and that's hard enough as it is getting a screenplay that is worth to read that worth getting people to read um, he also knows the business really well he knows how to communicate with uh, studio execs he knows how to communicate with uh, other creatives uh, and he's fast so yeah. uh, it was the best decision I've ever made so um, I watched a short um, segment that you did uh, a few years back uh, the making of 12k can you talk about that and a little bit of how um, you were you were dealing with some organisms and 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 the way in which you made them jump and move. Um, talk a little bit about that, if you if you could. Sure. I mean, do you know the reason why I made twelve cam? Did I ever tell no, you? No, no. I'd love to hear that. Oh my gosh! All these nuggets I get to hear right now. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. Well, so um, a few years ago, I would say I'm so terrible with math. I'd say it's probably like five years ago. No, I think it's five. Um, I w started uh, dating this girl. Mm -hmm. and uh, we would go on a few dates and we had been friends previously and we started a date and uh, she started to hound me about going ice skating. Now at this time I was like 35 um, and I'd never put ice skates on in my life. <laughs> in, my, in my life. What and a so, sight. <laughs> uh, and so I said to her like, I, I kept blowing her off. Yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure. We'll get to that. Sure, we'll get to that. And then that one afternoon, uh, comes up where she says, you know, you never do what I want to do. And so, of course, all right. And so then you're like, okay, so what's the worst that's going to happen? I'll twist an ankle or whatever. <laughs> so uh, I live out in the East Coast. I live in Boston. And so it was wintertime in Boston. Downtown Boston has like this beautiful sort of like when Harry met Sally type ice skating rink. And so we get down for this romantic um, date and I slap on these ice skates and I'm and I'm walking around like an idiot because I don't know how to do it. I have no sense of balance. Um, and uh, so she pulls me out on the ice and she's pulling me around on the ice. And, and uh, <laughs> I start to get frustrated. They're like little five-year-old kids sort of pirouetting around me and doing their thing. <laughs> Running circles around you. <laughs> yeah. And so I said to her, like, look, look, here, here's the deal. I got to figure this out. You're just pulling me around. So go skate off. I'll figure it out. So she's like, are you sure? And I go, yeah, yeah. And so she goes and skates away and I watch this little kid sort of push off and sort of get out to skate. And I go, oh, okay, I'll do the same thing. So I go and I push and I slip and I go completely backwards and I land on my head, the back of my head. And the last thing I hear is the sound of an old oak barrel cracking and I'm out. Oh my goodness. Ouch. And, uh, out. I'm out, out, out. And uh, uh, she tells me afterwards that <laughs> everybody on the rink heard it. And then the people that own the rank came over and they skated over and I'm out cold and she's trying to convince them to call an ambulance. And they're actually bringing out little orange cones to stick around me so that they don't have to close the ranks. So oh right. Um, and uh, so I go to the hospital and I wake up in the hospital and a doctor's looking down at me, flashing a flashlight at me. And uh, I wake up and I go, oh my God, I've like broken my leg. Some, I've, I've, like I've done something. And I've never taken a break from work. So in my head, I'm just sort of running yeah. through like, oh, I got all this stuff I got to do. And God, I got a broken leg. And the doctor looks at me and goes, okay, here's the deal. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, you've cracked your skull. You're, you're bleeding internally. 
Uh, you have a hematoma forming on your brain. Uh, we can't let you go to sleep because if you do go to sleep, you might not wake up. You should call your parents. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, at, death's, at death's door. I was in intensive care for about five days. And uh, your dog is going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it heard me talking about it. So now it's, it's, oh my God. I'm so sorry. I thought you weren't going to hear that, but that is so hilarious. <laughs> no worries. So I was in intensive care for five days. Um, I ended up recovering and the bleeding uh, stopped, but I was in five months of like uh, concussion and everything else. I was out of work for five months. Oh my and goodness. In those five days in intensive care, I started to have these crazy hallucinations and I started to see uh, shadows that were moving. I started to hear a voice in my head that didn't belong to me. Um, and I was really excited about it because I like horror movies. So I had the girl that I went on a date with who stayed with me the whole time. There's recordings of me on her phone where I would just go, hey, record this. I just went through this. And I would wake up and tell her like, oh my God, my voice doesn't belong to myself. And so uh, afterwards, when I was home recovering, I had, I had I, basically, it's like one of those near-death experiences where you sort of assess your life and you try to figure everything out. And I had a pretty good life. You know, I had a good career up to that point, good family that loved me. Uh, the only thing I didn't do was make a feature film. And so I came out of that going, I'm going to write a movie. I've got this great idea for a movie about a guy who doesn't, can't trust his own voice. And um, I needed to come up with an origin story for how this guy got infected with this thing. Oh, and, wow. And years ago, I had read about uh, this Russian drill team back in the 1980s that, that dug the deepest hole known to man. And there was this myth going around that they had lowered microphones down into the planet and they heard the sounds of people screaming in the oh, planet. My. And so uh, I always loved that story. Um, and it was a good origin for my idea. And so I sort of dug deep into that. And when I recovered, I, sort of, I came back and I was like, I'm making, a, I'm making a movie. And I had to do what I call a proof of concept film, uh, which is usually like a short film that you show studios in order to get them on board. Sure. Um, and so uh, I made a 30-minute proof of concept movie about that Russian drill team. It's all in Russian. Oh, I wow. do not speak Russian. <laughs> Um, which was an exciting adventure. And uh, it takes place in the 1980s. And I shot it uh, right outside of Boston. Wow. So it was a fun shoot. Wow, oh, that is so cool. And um, so that, are, are we able to see that? or? I haven't been able to release it online officially, but okay. if, you, if you write to me, you mm-hmm. can either write to me, uh, Mike Petchy Gmail, or you can uh, write to me on Instagram and... Uh, what I've been doing is telling people, tell me your favorite horror movies. And if I like the horror movie, then I'll send you my movie so that you can see my movie. Because <laughs> really? I, I can't release it now because we are in the process of uh, making the feature. We just got a, a major Hollywood production company with a big time director um, uh, on board uh, to produce it. And I'm going to direct it. Um, and so we're attaching talent right now. All right, no problem. Well, you know, when it's when it's closer to release date, or you know, where where we can start to see it or view it, just let me know, and I'll make sure that everybody we have the links to those, or you know, we have some information on that, and get 
get it promoed for you. So sure. And I haven't sent it to you. I'll send it to you. You haven't seen it yet, huh? No, I, I've only seen maybe the, 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 um, promo that we were showing at the trade shows. So I oh. only have, I only have that, that piece. Sure. I'll send that so that the audience can be jealous. Cause you see it Well, on, just write to me and then I'll probably, <laughs> I'll probably, I'll probably send it to you. Oh my goodness. Yes, please do. Please, please, please. Now, speaking of which, um, you, we talked a little bit earlier about um, um, the type of film that you like to do, like you like to watch. Um, I'm also, I want to know how you came up with your, um, the title In Love With The Process. And um, it's kind of you documentary, or you documenting kind of the, the life behind, or the life of a filmmaker. And you're also, um, you're talking about that in your podcast. Can you talk about the two of those um, right now? I mean, sure. Tell us about that. Ultimately, I started to do a podcast because here's what's so. I just turned I, I turned forty a couple of days ago. Oh, happy cool. birthday! Thanks. Oh, I think I said happy birthday to you, didn't I? I did. I, I think you did. Yeah. So I'm we're, on we're, it. we're still good friends. That's fine. <laughs> um. So I just turned forty, but. A really strange thing happened when I, because I've been I've been basically working as a director and trying to learn how to do in this business since I was, you know, my early twenties. Mm -hmm. And this really interesting thing happened when I crossed the thirty threshold, where suddenly I was getting calls uh, and getting recognized for my work. The people were calling and asking me to submit to festivals, and then I had a lot of young filmmakers writing to me, or coming up to me at seminars and asking me a lot of serious questions about like how to survive, like how, do, how would you do this or how do you deal with your clients and how do, you, how do you handle this? And there is a ton of tutorial stuff online about like how to unpack a camera, how to use this thing. You can YouTube the hell out of all that stuff. Right. But that to me is, is really the work of manufacturers that need to sell products. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, gear is an important aspect of what our business is, but a lot of folks don't talk about how you actually survive as a freelancer. Like when you decide that you're not going to take a job, when you decide that you're not going to have a nine to five job and you're going to do this full time, right. there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that people don't teach you about, like how to manage your money, right? like how, yeah. like how, like how do you deal with taxes? Like how do you... Um, how do you line up work and consistently and consistently line up right. work? And there's like like a, a a a trend of a lot of new freelancers is that you'll get a big paycheck, you'll do something, and you'll get like a big hunk of change. And the first thing that you do as a newbie is you're like, I'm gonna go buy a camera, I'm gonna go do this, I'm gonna buy new clothes, I'm gonna right. do all this stuff. I'm hot mm -hmm. stuff now because I'm getting paid for this. <laughs> and then uh, you know a month goes by and no one's calling you and you're broke again. And right. so you, you really have to, I always say it's like being a squirrel collecting nuts. You really have to sort of stack a certain amount of cash behind you, at least to cover your for at least five months, at least. Right. right. Um, just so that you can continue to develop and continue to go. And that's what, that's what the love of the process show is about. It, it's about how to stay motivated. It's about, how to survive as a freelance artist. And, and it isn't just filmmaking, it's also photography, it's uh, actors and actresses, all that sort of stuff. And 
I've always wanted as a young filmmaker, I always wanted access to somebody who was just starting to make it. And I, you know, I have a lot of really interesting things coming down the line right now. And I've been in a lot of interesting situations, the stuff that I never really knew how to handle to the point when I did those things recently, I just sort of went in the room and went, okay, you know, and sort of felt my way through it because you really, they don't teach you that. If you go to, if you go to a film school, you're not getting that. They're teaching right. you how to use the equipment. They're teaching you, if you're lucky, they're teaching you how to interact on sets. Um, but our business is very much like an apprenticeship business mm-hmm. where you go in and you work and you learn more by doing. You actually learn more by physically creating something uh, than you do sitting in a classroom. And there is film theory and there is story theory and all those things are really important. But it's not a four-year thing for, for, yeah. for school. And uh, so I, I wanted to create this podcast so I could give folks access to that and also make it entertaining for people who like my films, who like the stuff that I do to see what my life is like, because it's it's very surreal. And you find yourself, whether you're doing, like I'm doing a documentary right now with a good friend of mine on um, on barbershops and it's giving us access to some really amazing rough inner city barbershops and I get to go hang out with these folks uh, and it's a, it's a completely surreal experience and that's on one hand and then on the other hand I'm doing uh, chef's pieces and cooking stuff where I get to go and hang out with amazing chefs and see their obsession with food and see their obsession with that or we're doing a music piece where you know we're catching up with a top-of-the-line musician hanging out in their tour bus and learning what it's actually like to be a musician today. And so this, I got a lot of good access and I figured that doing a podcast that allowed an audience to get the same access um, and to learn from that access, I'll just tell you how it is yeah. uh, or how, how it is, how I've experienced it. And then hopefully you take something from that. That's awesome. So not only do you teach kind of um, maybe life experiences uh, or from the life experience standpoint, you know, um, the business side, how to handle your business, how to handle this, how to handle that. But you also teach or you also talk about um, the actual process of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you not? Cause I think I, I've, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, a few of your episodes, and I've also seen a lot of your posts on Instagram. And if you guys aren't already following Mike Petchy on Instagram, you should, because let me tell you, first of all, he puts these wonderful clips on there and they're, you know, there are things like uh, action shots uh, on how they set up camera gear or rigs for action shots. And, and it's amazing. And, <laughs> and I, this is the kind of stuff that I love to see. And, um, and I'm sure that the wealth of information that you have and you're sharing with, with, with listeners, audiences, and, and followers, are, I mean, I'm sure they're soaking it all in. And so now talk a little bit about more of, of, the technical stuff. Um, I wanted, uh, before I forget, I wanted to ask you about a documentary long time ago. You were, you were on an actual ride along for a, um, a, wasn't it a, a, um, a ride along um, for a gang out in yes, Boston? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I did a, 
I shot a doc for uh, the same director who's doing the barbershop stuff. Uh, he's really one of the only directors that I still uh, do cinematography for. Um, and uh, we did a film called um, uh, This Ain't Normal was what I think what the, the title was of it ultimately. And it was about uh, the city of Boston's gang problem. And Boston has like 125 gangs, I think. Wow. In the city. And uh, a lot of these gangs, it's, it's a fascinating thing because the city is so congested. And so you'll, a rough neighborhood will literally be a block away from some of the highest real estate. Isn't uh, that funny? Yeah. In the Northeast. And, and these kids, these gangs were uh, started back in the 80s, like late 70s and the 80s. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the names and sort of the gang, the gang stuff has stuck around since then. But a lot of these kids are uh, brought into a gang because they're born on a street. So like if you're born on like, you know, like Wood Avenue, like you're right. in that, you're in Wood Gang mm -hmm. and without even knowing that you're in that gang. So right. um, it's an interesting doc. We ended up following around this group of street workers that uh, basically would act as like father figures for these young kids and uh, do like everyday tasks. Cause a lot of these homes are broken homes. And then uh, these kids live in like really crappy places and their parents have to work real hard. And like, they're like, if it's a single mom, she's doing like, you know, 15 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And so these kids, instead of staying in their crappy apartments, go out into the street. And so all their problems are brought out into the street. Like, all of their, their entire life exists on the street. And then as they get older, they're uh, introduced to drugs and they're introduced to the ability to make money selling drugs because it, it's like the most lucrative opportunity that, they're, that is offered to someone at that age right. uh, from that community. Um, and so there's this group of street workers that would go into that community, act as liaisons between gangs. So they would actually go in and, and talk on behalf of different gangs to try to like settle any sort of stress. Um, but they would also do regular shit, like, hey, you should get your eyes tested because you need glasses. Or like, hey, you know, is, is anybody gonna drive you to get your driver's license today? Or, hey, have you ever thought uh, instead of going to McDonald's to buy that, I can show you how to, you know, make, make a it. great yeah. pasta, like a great pasta meal that's gonna be even cheaper. Um, so it was a fascinating piece. Uh, it's in the process of getting distribution now. Um, but I think there's a trailer on Vimeo. So if you look up This Ain't Normal, uh, the director is Rudy Hippolyte. Um, it's really cool. It was fun. We were embedded with these kids for on and off for like through two years, something like that. Right. Um, so. Wow. Okay. So I'll have all that information um, down below in the show notes. So everybody, you can check that out as well. Now let's go back to the, to in love with the process on the technical side. So what is an example of what you might talk about um, a segment or an episode that you would probably talk about on your episode um, for listeners who, ha who have not tuned into your pot, your podcast, what can they expect and what type of, lessons or or um teachings can you or would you offer them it, it really sort of uh ranges at this point because I'm, I'm really i'm trying to figure out through the process of doing it trying to figure out what sticks the best right um but we've done everything we've done my first five episodes were with myself and my assistant who was getting into the business and i wanted to have somebody there who was asking me these questions on a daily basis 
to really sort of drive the podcast. And, and so for a while I was teaching him about film school. I was teaching him about um, producing and we talked about like how to make a music video. We talked about uh, how bands actually receive music video treatments. It was very technical for like the first, I'd say three episodes. And then I started to break it out a bit more and open it up into hanging out with the folks that I know, hanging out with these different people. So mm -hmm. some of the episodes would talk about lighting, but then I would have other episodes with uh, amazing uh, composers and musicians. Um, and then I just recently did an episode on inspiration mm -hmm. and how uh, food, I use food as like a trigger for memories. So mm -hmm. if, I'm tr if I'm trying to write a character or if I'm trying to come up with a great idea and I, you hit that wall, like every time you sit down to do something, there's always that wall that you hit where it's like, I have no good ideas. Like, where does it come from? <laughs> One thing that I love to do is I'll go downstairs and I'll cook and I'll actually pull out certain ingredients and I'll eat certain things to trigger memories from my past. Because one of the things to do if you're writing or you're a new writer is you write what you know. Right. You always go back to like folks that you know, people that you've met, and you sort of incorporate them into your new idea. Um, so I did like a really experimental episode, which is really beautiful about memories and food. Um, we sound design it. So like it's, it, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, my mom was funny about it. She's like, it's almost like a book on tape. So it's, <laughs> it's like this oh. really cool emotional thing. So try, it's very inspirational. Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, I just did a new podcast on this dude, uh, Steve Geralt, who's this amazing uh, so, like scientist, engineer, photographer that designs like these cool robots that help him get his photos right. Right. Um, and then my new episode is actually me sitting down with my mother. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And that one comes out, I think, next week. And we do a whole episode about how I grew up, okay. how, how my mother influenced my movies that I liked because she loved action and she loved violent movies. So at like 13 years old, she'd take me to Die Hard and she'd take me to like these pretty intense action movies. And she was a photographer, like a amateur photographer. She'd take pictures of the kids and people. And then as I got older and I started to get into the business, I would have her come on set with me. So she was one of my photo assistants for years and then she comes on set on my movies. Um, and she's got a really funny perspective on uh, the stuff. I do. She's like my harshest critic. I was just going to ask, is she your hardest critic? <laughs> she probably is, yeah. Oh, Besides she yourself, yeah. <laughs> uh, she doesn't hold anything back <laughs> at well, all. See, and that's probably a testament, I would say, to how the 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 filmmaker that you are the the successful and the best in my opinion one of the best filmmakers out there because of your mother right because she lit a fire under you basically <laughs> and and just kind of said you know it's just you know it Mike there's probably something better right or push push you to be your 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 best and I love that uh, I think mothers are like that all all around I think it's you know, they, they want, they don't want to see their children fail. They want to see them succeed and whatever we could do as mothers to be able to give, you know, you the proper, the right tools, proper tools and the best tools to move forward and be successful. Hey, that's kudos to your mother. Awesome. I think, I think you'll dig the episode. Like it actually goes, it goes to an interesting place. And this is what I like about the show. 
is that the show starts technical or it starts to talk about movie stuff, mm -hmm. but then it goes off on its own thing. And <laughs> this show becomes really a show about being a mom. Awesome. And I, it, it's really cool because I've never really heard a podcast about that yet. And my mom who raised, she was a stay at home mom that raised four kids. Uh, she really sort of addresses a lot of things about being a mother. And she talks about how she didn't want kids. She talks about um, how a lot of the pitfalls that young mothers get into. And, and there's a big part of that that, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't been looking, but I feel like there's, there's a big gap for that kind of content. Um, and by the time the show finishes, it's a really powerful, I'll have to send it to you, it's a really powerful show by the end because uh, she's a very strong person and a very strong feminist and a very strong mom. Mm. Um, and you know, I just sort of, I'm riding along with her on the podcast laughing. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'd love to hear that. That's awesome. Please do yeah. send it to me. Of course. Now, um, so on your career, let's talk a little bit about that. Can you talk about maybe a, what was one challenge that you thought, oh goodness, you know, how am I going to get over this? What, and, and how did you overcome it? What can you talk about? I don't want to say your lowest point, but maybe something that where now you can look back and say that happened for a reason. And this is why, because now I'm better because of it. <laughs> I, I would say that uh, if you decide to get into this business, be prepared for there to be a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And uh, when you're, when you think you got it and when you think, when you think you're, you're on track, uh, someone comes and sweeps the leg on you and you go down to pretty low depths and, and you just have to try to get used to this, this sort of wave that happens. Um, right. uh, I, you know, I've had a lot of lows, uh, you know, the head injury that I talked about mm -hmm. was a, was a pretty big low, but I use that as, uh, an inf like an influence and a reason to do something bigger and greater uh, and now I'm happy I had the head injury because I have a, a, a movie and a deal at Hollywood right. and, and all that stuff that I would not have had if I didn't go through that experience. And uh, you deal with it on set every day as a director. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, someone is always walking up to you to tell you to stop. Like mm. Someone is always going, it's done. Shut it off. You're done. Like someone is always coming up to you to do that. Uh, and the only moment of rest that I find is when I actually call action. Because when I call action, everybody shuts up and we look at this little monitor and I see a little bit of that scene happen, you know, maybe a minute, maybe 30 seconds. And then you call cut and then all of these people come and it's like, the location has a problem and this person broke their leg and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so you really sort of get yourself into this mode of, it's cool. Let's go with it. Let's ride with it. Let's, let's have this thing. Right. Let's just, let's just get through it. Let's um, get it done. Yeah. But I don't know if I have any specific, I mean, I could talk techie specific stuff, but uh, you know, one thing I've learned, or one thing I'm now learning because I've, I've spent most of my adult life obsessed with movies uh, and the actual need to make them. Mm -hmm. Um, and most of my life is, is set up, like, I feel like there's a bunch of, like, keystones. And all the keystones of my, of my 20s is like, hey, that's when I did this project. And that's when I did this project. And that's when right. I did this project. 
And so there's so much of my life sort of marked by projects. And now that I'm getting older, I'm like, oh, you know, it's more important for me to actually live my life and do this at the same time. And it helps that um, I have an amazing girlfriend who, yes, is the girl that tried to murder me on ice skates. <laughs> uh, Gina, who is also in the business, she's a uh, fashion photographer. Awesome. Um, and so we both have, <laughs> it's a bad business plan for a couple. We both are in this, you know, very unstable uh, business. Um, but it helps, man. And I really love it, enjoying life with her. I love experiencing things. She's one of the best people to experience situations with. Um, and so it keeps me up when I'm down, you know, because awesome. it, does, it does do this all the time. So I could probably name some successes um, that I've seen so far, but in, in your mind, what are some of your greatest achievements? Oh, okay. Um, well, it's all, it's all steps. So like, I think after I came home from film school and I, I put together an entire crew and I made a film, a short film that got me out to uh, Sundance, that was a huge step. Oh, wow. And then that was like 2000, something like that. And then uh, when I started a company and uh, we were making music videos and winning awards on MTV, that was a big step. Um, I think that more recently, uh, 12KM, like, like 12KM, my, my short film is such a life-changing moment where uh, I, I challenged myself. I made a movie in a language that I don't speak. Wow. <laughs> um, and then uh, brought it all together. It's beautiful. It's an amazingly gorgeous looking movie. Everybody that I show it to thinks it, think it costs millions and millions of dollars, which if they ask me, I'd say, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, that has got me uh, an agent. So I'm, I'm now repped by UTA. Um, nice. I have management now because of that movie. Um, and I have been in every major production company's offices because of that movie. Like I've, I've hung out in Michael Bay's offices. I've hung out at Sam Raimi's offices. I've hung out at uh, Ridley Scott's offices. And one of them, one of them has decided that they're going to make uh, 12 cam. And that now I'm in this sort of like wave riding and waiting for that to happen, which is this long, <laughs> <laughs> right. drawn out game of patience. Um, oh goodness. Yeah. But uh, I have a feeling that it's going to kick. And when that happens, whew, so, I, I'm, yeah. so I don't know if I answered your question. but there's Yes, been you did. In fact, that's the one I was thinking of. So I'm, I'm glad that you said it. <laughs> and then now tell us, this is like the, the I love this question um, because I think it just kind of gives a sense of, you know, where you've been and where you're going and what you think your future is. What would you tell your 21 year old self about <laughs> your future? Uh, what would I tell my, okay. So if I went back in time and I hung out first off, uh, this may sound arrogant, but I'm going to go with it. First off, I think that if I suddenly stepped out of like a DeLorean, like a time machine, like I drove down the street and I stepped out 
the 13 year old me would look at me and go, wow, this dude's cool. <laughs> That's the first thing I think would happen. He'd be like, wow, I've always wanted a beard. And I'd go, yeah, yeah. As soon as you grow it, it stays. It'll be with you for the rest of your life. Um, but I, I would tell him that like, look, keep reading comics. Um, you know, keep loving movies. Um, it will end up great. It will end up as good as you think it will. Um, and, um, you know, don't do it. Like just no matter what anybody tells you, you're, you're doing the right thing. Awesome. I you think are. that's what I would tell them. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, you know, if I went back two weeks from now and told two week, two weeks ago, Michael, I'd go, you're f***ing everything up. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, 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 no. Now on that note, um, for aspiring, um, filmmakers, people that love, that maybe have gotten their first camera, let's say, you know, had a mother like yours where they were inf uh, influenced by photography and now wants to kind of venture off into the world. What would you say to them? What would you say to the aspiring filmmakers, aspiring um, storyteller? I would ask them why they want to do it. I, I, I think ultimately I'd go, okay, why do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. And because um, it is a it is a bastard. Like the the actual business angle of things are really difficult. It's it, very highly competitive right now. Mm -hmm. The industry is incredibly oversaturated with folks that are doing it. Uh, so I wouldn't sugarcoat a damn thing. Like it's you're you're gonna have to fight. Yeah, you're, you're gonna have to get into it. You're not gonna get credit for what it is that you're doing. Sometimes uh, it's gonna be an ugly crawl. Um, yeah. So if you're doing it because you want to be that person that stands up on stage and goes, look, I did this. And that's the whole reason you're doing it. You're going to go insane because that literally lasts for maybe an hour. Yeah. And if you make it something successful, uh, maybe a, a week, but with the modern, like with how everybody processes entertainment, they literally swipe and they're just like, okay, wow. saw it, saw yeah. it, saw it. And you go through Instagram and do it. And you, you just sort of go through it. And you don't think about the 15-hour day that it mm -hmm. took to get that one photograph or the, the crew of people that it took to do that. So if you're in the business for justification or for, for gratitude, get out of it. Right. Like if you're in the business because you love to learn, if you're in the business because you love to hang out with folks, if you're in the business because you uh, want to be a part of this romantic adventure, I, I, I joke about this all the time. When you put together a film set, it's almost like an old Western mm. where you go around and you go, let's get Tim because he's an amazing gunslinger. And let's get, you know, let's get Jane because, you know, she's an amazing camera person. And, and so you bring these folks together and you sort of walk into this project that is usually incredibly intense, especially mm -hmm. on an independent level mm -hmm. where you're doing like 15 hour days and no one's sleeping. You're seeing the range of emotions from like super highs to absolute lows. Um, and then you come out of there and you end up with, with lifelong friends. Right. Because of these experiences, because of these situations that you're put in that are more often than not the most surreal thing that you've ever seen. Uh, if that's why you're doing it and you don't care about money, somehow you're independently wealthy, mm. <laughs> um, then go nuts with it because yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to do that stuff 
Um, and it's easier to do it when you're young. Right. And then as you start to get older, that's a whole other conversation. Like, what do you say to the people in their late twenties and early thirties that suddenly the agencies and folks aren't hiring because they're too expensive now? Mm. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have. I try to have it on my podcast. I try to be uplifting about it on my podcast. Right. It can be. Well, you're like you said, you don't sugarcoat it. You want to, you know, bring them into the know. This is this is going to happen and you're gonna experience this right. and you're gonna yeah. I mean, that's good that's good parting words for, for everybody. Just know that if if this is what you want to do, it's gonna come with a lot of bumps and bruises and you know, everything, everything with the territory. So be prepared. Like Mike said, be prepared for anything and everything. I, I would agree. And you know what? I don't want to leave it on a downer and I, I hope I didn't. Um, no, no, no. But I, I think that at the end of the day, if you're obsessed and you love something, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what sort of advice anybody's going to give you. And if someone tells you not to do something, if someone gives you some, the warning of it, and you love this thing and it's your obsession, then take heed and learn from that warning, but keep pushing, yeah. keep throttling through it. Um, because at the end of the day, that's where the exciting stuff comes from. That's where the good movies come from, are from people that fight, 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 fight. I agree. Great. Now tell us where we can follow you, Mike, to give us your social medias. Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm a visual guy, obviously. So Instagram is the place to be if mm -hmm. you're visual. So you can follow me at Mike Petchy. Um, that's my personal account where I talk about my films. Uh, I talk about the food that I eat. You see the adventures I go on, that kind of stuff. Um, I have another uh, Instagram uh, for in love with the process. So that's at in love with the process pod pod. Um, and that's where you'll see a lot of posts about like how scenes are done, certain pieces of equipment that I think are cool, great actors, great actresses. Um, and I interact with folks about the show specifically there. Um, you can also, um, go to my website, mikepetchy.com, which will have everything on it. So you can go back through the catalog and see a lot of my old films uh, you can see uh, music videos, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to get into the music videos more specifically, uh, McFarland and Pesci uh, is my company's website where you can see the music docs and all the music films and all that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm all over the place. Mm -hmm. I'm on the internet. So I will have all his information in the show notes below. So everybody, if you want to check out his work and see, you know, the life of Mike Petchy, do so. I'll have all that information below. Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, on my Annie Talk Show. I truly appreciate it. Annie, it's always a wonderful thing to talk to you. I've, I've, I've loved you since we met. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Annie Talks and hearing about Mike Petchy and the life of a filmmaker, his thought process, and his passion for storytelling through his art. Be sure to check him out on social media, and I will have all the links in the show notes below. If you'd like to watch the 12KM trailer and the trailer Mike talked about titled This Ain't Normal, I will have those links in the show notes below as well. Now, before we sign off, 
If you aren't already subscribed to my podcast, I invite you to hit subscribe and be notified anytime we upload an episode. If you are already subscribed, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. If you could all please rate and review my podcast, please leave a comment or two. It would really help me out and it would also help others to find this podcast. You can follow me on all my social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I will have all that information in the show notes below for you as well. And lastly, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon page. Your contributions will help to further the vision and mission of Annie Talks so that we could produce more episodes like this one and many other types of episodes and topics. The Patreon page will also be included in the show notes below. Thank you all again for tuning in and keep listening to Annie Talks. Hi, this is Mike Petchy, filmmaker, director, photographer, and host of In Love With The Process. I am hanging out with Annie on Annie Talks.